I'm Abby Holscher with Slayton Holscher Farm in San Angelo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I have got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, 2023 is shaping up to be a better year for most Texas farmers and ranchers compared to last year's disaster. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When you hit a rough patch in life, you'd like to think that maybe you'll benefit from lessons learned through the experience. So, are there any takeaways for Texas High Plains farmers from this very tough year? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Sustainable farming practices and profit on the farm, how the two are tied together. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Rain in Central Texas, but is the drought over? We will discuss that and more. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. 2023 was a better year for many Texas farmers compared to last year, but it has had its challenges with a very wet spring and a very dry summer. Scott Renfro farms in Grayson County in North Texas near the Red River. Well, it turned out uh, we had a pretty good wheat crop. I didn't get near as much planted the, back in the fall. It turned out wet. So uh, what I had wanted to plant was maybe a third. So put me more acres heavy in corn. Uh, the corn did good. We had three good rains in July, which we always wanted July rain. If I was going to say on the overall average yield, we're looking at probably about 125, 130 bushels. I'm pleased with with what we did overall compared to last year by far, yes, but looks like everything went pretty good for the most part. Aflatoxin levels were really down zero to nothing, so watching that market to hopefully pull a trigger on when to sell some, so uh, I can't complain too much. Renfro is currently doing ground prep for fall wheat sowing, which will start in a couple of weeks. Some areas of Texas have seen rain in the past week, but drought continues its grip on our state. According to the latest U.S. Drought Monitor, more than 80% of Texas is suffering from some sort of drought. 12.7% of the state is under exceptional drought, mainly in an area in central Texas and an area that spans from Austin to the Texas coast. 25.4% of the state is under extreme drought. 
According to drought.gov, more than 24 million Texans are in an area impacted by drought. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle feeders are seeing bovine congestive heart failure more often in feedlots. Luke Bowman is the director of Sim Genetic Development at the American Simmental Association. He says it's something the industry doesn't discuss much. Cattlemen in general and probably all livestock breeders select for extremes rather than optimums. And so we want to maximize the absolute amount of pounds we sell at weaning time or slaughter time because that yields more dollars. However, what we're doing is we're getting these cattle to perform like racehorses and and they absolutely outperform and grow like crazy. But all the rest of the organs keeping up with them, we don't know. And so if their hearts can't keep up with all this maximum growth and fat they're putting on at the late stages in the game of the feedlot, they literally have heart attacks and die. Sometimes external factors enter into the equation, but Bowman says a lot of times it's genetics. Are there any takeaways from this very tough summer growing season? James Hunt looks for an answer to that from the Texas High Plains. I had a chance to visit with Steve Olson, who farms in the Plainview area, and I asked him how his year has gone. This is my 34th crop, and it's absolutely been the hardest one we've ever had. You know, we used to think that 2011 couldn't get any worse than that. This one, with the expense and inflation and stuff, it's really got me nervous. A lot of farmers talking about those input costs these days. I asked Olson which one's been the biggest problem for him. Definitely fertilizer has been the biggest issue. You know, we had upruns of over 200% two years ago, and it's starting to taper back down a little bit, but it's really slow. And it seems like when it's time to buy fertilizer, it's in that cyclical high. So that's what makes it really tough. So on the financial side, making a profit will be difficult. And as for the situation out in the fields, Olson, who grows a variety of crops, including cotton, seed milo, and corn, says excessive heat and lack of moisture took a toll on his summer crops. But his newly planted wheat looks promising, so hopefully the fall will be better. With all the challenges Texas High Plains farmers have been facing, I asked Olson if perhaps this year's experience might provide some takeaways that could be applied for future seasons. I think you guys just got to really be very careful of what comes into your mind and make sure that you keep your head screwed on straight and don't let things get to you too much, man. Just realize that you get out there every day and do the very best that you can. And if you can figure out what Mother Nature's doing and join with her, you're going to win the war. But if you go in there and you think you're going to fight her and beat her, she'll win every time. Some very good advice there from Plainview area farmer Steve Olson. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Capturing rainfall is always a priority for farmers in the Texas panhandle. Tom Nicoletti visits with a farmer who has changed his farming methods to make every drop count. Farmer Barry Evans is my guest again today, talking about the importance of the sustainable farming practices that he undertakes on his Texas Panhandle farm, even in very challenging drought conditions. The drought has made it very challenging. I like to talk about what we're doing 
to help capture rainfall, but whenever it doesn't rain, it really doesn't matter. It is hard whenever it doesn't rain and we have these droughts to capture rainfall, but we're just trying to make these incremental improvements and I'm looking at it from the long run, not just year to year, but but what can we do over the long term to make it better and, and just be well aware that we're going to have these years like this. You stressed that sustainability must ultimately mean a profit on the farm. If you're not profitable, you can't be sustainable. Whatever you do has got to be profitable. But I don't see it as a trade-off between what's good for the environment and what's good for your economics. It's actually just the opposite. If you do good things for the environment, it's good for your land. If it's good for your land, it makes money. It's not a trade-off. It's positive all the way. You make a point about holding that soil together, the winter wheat, and any other cover crops up in this part of the state because uh, the winds certainly uh, do blow at a very high velocity and for a very long time up here on the Panhandle. We're trying to figure out how to make cover crops work in our area. Cover crops can be beneficial, they can be detrimental. I mean, we're trying to figure out how to incorporate them to where they're good. This is a tough area because of our rainfall and, and our pan evaporation rate. But how can we make covers work? And, and we're trying to figure that out. Just saying covers doesn't answer the whole thing. It's how, how do you make them work on your farm? That is Barry Evans. He is a Swisher County farmer in the Texas Panhandle. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has rained in central Texas recently, but Dr. Shane McClellan says the drought there is far from over. Most of the central Texas Blackland region did receive rainfall. I have heard from anywhere of one inch up to 4.2 inches of rain over our area during that three to four day rainfall period. Everyone welcomed the rain, no matter the amount. Compared to our normal rainfall, the eastern side of McLennan County is still 10 inches under their normal rainfall they would expect for the last 365 days. While on the western side of McLennan County, they're about near normal rainfall during that same time period. That's very common right across the Blackland area, which is scattered grains and varying amounts. Cotton harvest is nearly complete in the McLennan County. Our neighbors to the north are a little bit behind us. They have some more to do. Cotton farmers will enter fields as soon as they dry out enough to allow equipment into the fields. It won't take long to finish harvest. Livestock producers have begun sowing oats for grazing before the rains actually came. And now I expect them to be getting after it and getting into fields and being active, sowing oats for grazing. We will need more rain as we go on into the fall just for grazing oats and to replenish our soil moisture levels. Grain planting for seed harvest won't really start until early November here in the Blackland area. Livestock pastures do have a green tint to them, but they're not offering a lot of grazing right now. The Tudor weather we are having mixed in with a few hot days will slow down our warm season grass growth. Now, I have seen some annual ryegrass already sprouting and emerging. That ryegrass coming up now We'll need a rain pretty soon or it will dry down and die out. I do encourage those that are wanting to plant ryegrass, let's wait until October 1st to plant ryegrass. I believe you run just a big risk if you're going to plant it now. You'll lose some stands. That ryegrass will be on top of the ground where the soil moisture levels just dry out really fast. So is the drought over? Only time will tell us. A single soaking rain will provide you know some lasting relief from drought conditions, but it's going to take multiple rains over several weeks, even months, to break a drought and return conditions back to a normal range. In the last 10 years, we normally receive around three inches of rain in the month of October. 
with Heart of Texas Fair coming up in early October, it's not uncommon to see a rain during the fair. I hope it's wet on you when you're into the fair. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Research on chronic wasting disease continues. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have information on a few projects coming up on Texas Ag Today. And equine rehab has come a long way in the last few years. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Equine rehab has come a long way in the last few years. Dr. Bob Judd says water therapy has been shown to be helpful. Underground and overground water treadmills can be useful when rehabilitating horses after an injury or just for conditioning. Swimming can also be used for rehabilitation, but it is more suited for conditioning than rehabbing an injury. Dr. Steve Adair from the University of Tennessee indicates in the horse publication that aqua therapy's most important mechanism of action is buoyancy, which can range from the horse being totally weight-bearing to almost non-weight-bearing. The greater resistance, the greater strengthening the exercise provides. Dr. Adair goes on to say that the primary use of underground and overground water treadmills in rehabilitation is provide therapeutic exercise in a reduced weight-bearing environment with controlled stress on the injured tissue. Underground units hold more water and create more buoyancy, while above-ground units allow the rehab specialist to tailor the water depth to a specific injury. All of these options can be used for full-body conditioning of normal horses to improve and maintain performance. When rehabilitating a horse in underground or overground water, buoyancy allows the horse to exercise without trauma to the injured tissue. The higher the water level, the greater the buoyancy. Hydrojets aerate the water and can be used to increase buoyancy and resistance, and the higher the water level and the greater the speed of the jets, the greater the resistance. The height of the water affects joint motion as higher water will increase joint flexion until the water gets above the knee or hock. Swimming is best for conditioning, while under or overground treadmills are better for rehabbing injuries. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Research on chronic wasting disease continues. Jessica Domo looks at a few of those research projects in today's Wildlife Report. Texas universities have been awarded more than $740,000 to study chronic wasting disease. The funding is part of a greater package of $12 million being awarded to state and tribal partners by USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service to further develop and implement CWD management and response activities in both free-ranging and captive deer. Jenny Lester Moffitt, USDA's Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs, said these collaborative efforts 
efforts help find and implement new solutions for safeguarding U.S. agriculture and natural resources. Texas Tech University will receive nearly $250,000 for the validation of a minimally invasive rapid and sensitive biomarker-based test for anti-mortem detection of prion infection in farmed cervids. Cervids are members of the deer family. They include elk, white-tailed deer, and mule deer. Texas A&M University has been awarded nearly a quarter of a million dollars for next-generation predictive genetics tests, or CWD, in farmed white-tailed deer and elk. The University of Texas will receive nearly a quarter of a million dollars as well. Researchers will study identification and characterization of CWD-contaminated meats. A fourth university will study CWD in Texas, but they're not located here. Auburn University has been awarded more than $100,000 to study improving CWD surveillance of captive deer facilities in Texas using a model-informed adaptive management approach. The University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston has been awarded nearly a quarter of a million dollars as well. They'll study feral swine as spreaders of CWD prions. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower on Friday due to a somewhat weaker tone in the cash cattle market. October live cattle down $2.30 to $184.20. December live cattle down $2.50 to $187.92. February live cattle down $2.12 to $192.50. Despite corn trading lower on Friday, feeder cattle also traded lower due to lack of support from the live cattle and cash cattle markets with concerns of a government shutdown. October feeder cattle down $2.25 to $2.52.47. November feeder cattle down $2.77 to $2.54.90. January 2024 feeder cattle down $2 to $2.58.05. Box beef was mixed Friday. Choice up $0.90 cents to $3.02.41. Select down $0.11 cents to $2.77.33. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. That fella over there in the alleyway is Brian Lentzman. Seguin Cattle Company sells sheep and goats and cattle on Wednesday. Brian, 
How did that sale turn out? Uh, doing real good today, Larry. Uh, ended up with 1,073 head of cattle. We're still selling. Quality not as deep this week. I'd call the stocker cattle maybe two to, soft, two to five softer in places. But uh, the packer cows and bulls, they've made their uh, fall adjustment. They're dang sure eight to ten off from last week. Those two to three weight steers, 185 to 370. Three to four weights, 168 to 310. Four to five weights, 172 to 305. Five to six weights, 181 to 276. Six to seven weights, 174 to 235. Seven to eight weights, 176 to 220. Get to the heifer mates, two to three weights, 158 to 275. Three to four weights, 155 to 290. Four to five weights, 162 to 235. Five to six weights, 156 to 246 with six to seven weight heifers, 154 to two in, 210. Uh, get to the utility cows, uh, average 93 to 106. Uh, cutters, 62 to 75. Canners, 58 to 67. Had a few palpated cows, 950 to 1050 with few pairs, 1100 to 1500. And uh, top end of the Packer Bulls, 129 today. So that's how the cattle market is. How about the sheep and goat market? Sheep and goats ended up with 801 head of them, and uh, market steady with those on those good nannies, $290 with the good kid goats bringing from 220 to 380. Get to the Dorper ewes, uh, top end 120 with the lambs bringing from 2 to 265. So, like I said, the sheep and goat market, she's holding her weight right now. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale in Seguin, Brian. You can give us a call at 830-379-9955, or you can give me a call on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. Neighbor, always good to talk to Brian. Always good to talk to you. Here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Larry Marble, walking the pins. You're listening to me right this second on Texas Ag Today. Fears of a government shutdown also affected the lean hog market on Friday. October lean hogs down $3.75 to 80.20. December lean hogs down $3.75 to 71.77. September class 3 milk was even at 18.38 a hundredweight. October class 3 milk up 19 cents to 16.90 a hundredweight. Cotton closed lower on Friday due to fears of a government shutdown and with weekly, monthly, and quarterly selling December cotton down 156 points to 87.15. March cotton down 133 points to 87.92. December corn down 11 and three quarters to 476 and three quarters. March corn down 11 and a half to 491 and three quarters. December hard red winter wheat down 21 and a quarter to 663 and three quarters. March hard red winter wheat down 20 and three quarters to 672 and a quarter. May 2024 hard red wheat down 20 and a quarter to 678 and three quarters. November natural gas fell a penny on Friday to 292. December natural gas down three cents to 330. November crude oil fell 89 cents Friday to $90.82 a barrel. December crude oil down 77 cents to $88.82 a barrel. The Dow fell 209 points Friday to 33,456. The S&P 500 down 15 to 4,283. The NASDAQ was up 8 to 13,209. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.